Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. This is Geraldo Meglara, and welcome to another podcast episode of A Fit Life on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Tony Mancy is a 62-year-old, semi-retired, professional exercise physiologist. He holds a master's degree from the University of Wisconsin. He has 10 years experience managing two health clubs, owns a personal training business called Fitness in Motion, and has a second degree black belt in Shorin Ryu Karate, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing. However, for 13 years, he conducted the NBA mandated preseason cardiac screening test for the Milwaukee Bucks. He joins us today on a fit life to discuss his accomplishments in the health and fitness industry, plus his experience as a person in charge of security for such celebrities as Diana Ross, Cheap Trick, and Ario Speedwagon. Therefore, without further ado, please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Tony Mancy. Hi, Tony, how are you? Great, Geraldo. Uh, thanks for inviting me to your show. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Listen, it's an honor to have you, man. You <laughs> have, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you have an amazing resume. So let's start off right off the bat. Tell me about who you are and a little bit about your background. I'm an exercise physiologist. I you know, started out at a young age uh, being very interested in working out. If, even before fitness was a um, a trend or fad or whatever. Uh, I started out exercising and, and running and lifting weights way back when, when I was like 14, 15 years old. And when it came to college, I decided to get, uh, take the path of exercise physiology and eventually got a master's in that. Um, beyond that, my career has centered around that in many forms in terms of personal training, managing health clubs, and so on. Um, it's kind of my passion, and I really love it. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough enough to get a bachelor's degree these days, but to get a master's degree, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, of it, was, it was a, a two-year commitment. Um, obviously, when I was an undergrad, there was a lot more time to fool around, but when I went to back to graduate school, it was, it was a job. I taught um, undergraduate anatomy and physiology labs, I basically lived in the library seven days a week other than training. So it was a big commitment. 
was this always a passion of yours, Tony? Was this something, something that you wanted to do? Was this something you just fell into? What was the no. career path early on? Well, to tell you the truth, I have an undergraduate degree in uh, business from uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison. And when I was 18, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I thought, well, I'm going to get a general degree and graduated and worked in a sales position. And I knew that's not where I wanted to be. So I went to University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, where I live, for a couple of years to make up course deficiencies. And then I enrolled in... Uh, graduate school at the University of Wisconsin because it's just you know I think you need to do something that you're passionate about I've always been a very active person um, and that's something I'm really passionate about so that's that's kind of the track I took okay I um, understand that you um, managed two health clubs in Colorado correct I did um, after graduate school I decided you know what I don't want to live in Wisconsin my whole life I need to experience you know some other geographic location so immediately after graduate school i moved to colorado um, and with the intention of working in a hospital clinical environment and when i was job searching i met uh, an owner of two health clubs now he was an absentee owner and he wanted me to knowing my experience and background with a business and clinical background he wanted me to manage two of his clubs and he was the type of person that was an absentee owner. Mm -hmm. So I did that for about 10 years, really enjoyed it. Um, but I was kind of itching to get into my, you know, clinical background uh, in terms of cardiac physiology. So I kind of punted and I moved back to Milwaukee and did some personal training for about two to three years. You know, you you know, with personal training, it's uh, income is cyclical. Mm -hmm. You're an independent contractor, and there's insurance issues. So then, I decided that um, I would seek employment with a large uh, healthcare system here in Milwaukee, and work as a clinical exercise physiologist, working with cardiac patients. And that was at Aurora Healthcare, correct? That's correct. That was for the last 13 years or so. Okay, so what did you see working at Aurora Healthcare? Was there anything that um, appealed to you? Was there a passion that you found? Was there something that maybe needed to be addressed? Because when you're in, an, in a big place uh, of such you know, magnitude, you, you tend to notice things that maybe either are lacking or maybe something, things that you can improve. Was there anything that you saw that maybe you could uh, add your two cents to and, and turn into a dollar? <laughs> sure, sure. Um... You know, obviously I spent a lot of time there. What I really enjoyed was the one-on-one -on -one contact with patients and the interaction with very, very intelligent people. They're cardiologists and electrophysiologists. Mm -hmm. um, so that was very, very, uh, it was fun and it was enriching to me. Uh, some of the things that, you know, I, I thought were, could be improved would be you're in a large organization, you know, it's huge, it had 30,000 employees, and it's very political. To get ahead, you had to, you know, play the politics, which I'm not really good at. I'm good at uh, taking care of patients. Okay. And um, I really, like I said, that, that was one of the aspects I really enjoyed, the one-on-one -on -one contact with patients, especially patients that had comorbidities that, you know, they came in with cancer and heart disease, and I gave them a lot of attention. 
Um, that and I also mentored residents, cardiac fellows, that wanted to learn the methodology of the procedures and testing that I was involved in. And that was a very satisfying experience. And as you know, mentoring is not a unilateral relationship. You learn from the mentee as well. So that was something I really enjoyed. Let's talk about this second degree back, but because I, I, I love, I've always watched karate on TV. I've never practiced it myself. But you have 45 years experience training and teaching. Tell me about that. Yeah, when I was younger, uh, of course, everybody, I don't want to date myself, but watching, <laughs> watching Bruce Lee films um, uh -huh. kind of sparked a little bit of interest in me. And when I went to Madison as an undergraduate, I met my, my college roommate, actually. He had a brown belt in karate. And, you know, I always had an interest in it. And I said, Jay, would you mind working out with me and teaching me? And he said, sure. And that kind of started the ball rolling. And he introduced me to my, my now karate instructor, sensei, as they call it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we would, uh, Jay and I would train in Madison uh, during the week. And we drive home on the weekends and train with my instructor. And you know, that was 45 years ago. Wow. Um, I attained black belt in about seven years, and that was training basically five days a week um, for seven years, uh, which is a little bit different. My, my instructor was uh, very, he was a traditionalist, and a lot of, a lot of uh, schools aren't going that way. They're going to guarantee you rank in a, spe a specified period of time, whether you earn it or not. And to me, that's a hollow victory. So I was glad that I was able to work with uh, my current instructor. He's been, he's uh, close to 65 years old. He's been in it longer than I. Mm -hmm. So I felt fortunate to stick with him, even though it was uh, tough to get the rank. Um, I'm glad I did it. And one other point I want to mention sure. is that um, the, as far as my evolution in martial arts, I'm glad I got the, the basics from my instructor, but he changed the way we did martial arts to more uh, street-oriented MMA, I guess you would call it, self-defense for knives and, and guns, which you know is more relevant uh, today. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of led me into um, you know, some security jobs. My, that was my, my next question. <laughs> yeah, my instructor had a security company and he asked me, he said, Tony, would you be interested in working security? And back then, you really didn't have to worry about uh, somebody shooting you. It was more, it was, hand, it was an easier hand, job. And like it, hand combat, right, basically? Yeah, it's stuff like that. And even at that, I didn't really get into much of that. There was a few times where I was working security and I had to take somebody down, but the police were always there on our side and nobody got really hurt. I know that you mentioned security. Are you able to elaborate on some of the some of the personal security? Sure, that sure. You did I was, some of the, go ahead. Um, well, some of the security I did was actually in Madison at the Coliseum. And again, I'm going to date myself, but <laughs> there were bands like Cheap Trick, Blue Oyster mm -hmm. Cult, REO Speedwagon, Diana Ross. And my instructor said, do you want to work security? I said, sure, because it was basically uh, guarding the backstage and you got to meet all the performers. And right. uh, there was a, I mean, the food was unbelievable. <laughs> and, th and then uh, 
Diana Ross and her entourage wanted to go out for dinner and she said, would you mind accompanying me and being my personal security guard? I said, no problem. And so it was, you know, it was very interesting meeting these type of high level individuals. Sure. Was that something that excited you? Was it something that you're like, oh, you know, it's just another well, job? Well, it was, it, was, it was exciting, but I look at people as people. You know, they put their pants on the same way as I do. They've got <laughs> their talents. I've got mine. So I try not to let that uh, skew my, my uh, perception. Tell me a little bit about your MBA experience with the Bucks that you had for sure. 13, 13 years, correct? 13 seasons. Um, one of the doctors at Aurora had a contract with the NBA Milwaukee Bucks. Mm -hmm. And it's an N NBA uh, mandated preseason uh, cardiac screening test that I think is overkill, but it's required by the NBA when somebody enters the NBA and, and every year thereafter. And before the season starts, they have to have a, I don't want to get too detailed about this, they have to have an echo and an mm -hmm. echo looks at the structure of your heart, the size, uh, the thickness of your heart, and all the valves, whether they're you know, operating uh, the way they should be. And also a stress test, what they call an echo, uh, stress echocardiogram, Correct. where we're looking at whether or not there's any abnormalities in the way that um, the athlete's responding to exercise in terms of the contractility of the heart, um, appropriate blood pressure responses, things like that. So, I mean, that was really an interesting experience. I worked with uh, some very, very high-level athletes, uh, some MVPs of the, of, the, uh, of the NBA. And for the most part, these individuals were really, really nice. A couple of them were what I call whiners. I mean, they're getting paid millions of dollars, and they would say, oh, you know, I had a hard workout this morning. And I just kind of laughed to myself because if I was getting paid $10 million a year, I'd run on the treadmill for two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, guess, you know, I, guess, I guess you have your prima donnas everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah, but for the most part, the, the guys that I interacted with uh, every year, uh, they understood it was a pre prerequisite. And, you know, we, we got along fine. There's a few, few guys. I remember one individual. Um, he was running on the treadmill and I'll give him, I'll give him credit because it's harder for these guys. They're taller. Of course. Um, and it's, it's tougher for them to, to walk on a treadmill. But there was one individual, I won't name, name the names. He was, he was uh, on the treadmill and we were evaluating him and near the end of the treadmill test, there's an immediate stop of the treadmill. The, the person lays down, the athlete lays down in a bed and the uh, echocardiographer takes images of, of his heart when it's uh, beating rapidly. And they compare that to the resting images before they get on the treadmill to see if there's any cardiac abnormalities going on. Mm -hmm. And this particular individual was walking on the treadmill and he was at peak exercise. He got off the treadmill and for some reason, uh, technically the echocardiogram didn't capture the images and he was like, oh, no. And I said, look, so-and-so, um, -so, I really apologize. This has never happened in 13 years that I've done this, but would you mind repeating the test? And most people would say, hey, no problem. 
I said, I'll give you, you know, an hour, half an hour, whatever you need, some water. He said, I'm not doing the test. And I said, well, that's fine, but you'll eventually have to do the test. Otherwise, you won't be able to play in the NBA. It's a, it's a requirement. Right. So, you know, but that was one individual. The majority of, of the, the guys that I worked with were fun. They didn't have an ego. Um, in fact, they were, you know, they were in my milieu. So, they, mm-hmm. you know, they felt, you know, comfortable. And, you know, it was a good experience. Something I'll never forget. Of course. Tell me about your exercise training program what what does tony mancy do during the course of the week to stay fit and healthy what do you do well i had been first of all when i was about you know the same age as when i got in martial arts i started um actually started lifting weights when i was about 13 or 14 again when fitness and weight training wasn't a big deal and then as i got older i got into martial arts i got into running i had been a runner for 25 30 years I competed in the Madison Triathlon and another triathlon. Um, and currently, you know, I, as you age, uh, Araldo, you have to adapt uh, your exercise program. So you, uh, you can't do the things when you're 20 that Correct. you can do now because right. you're going to be injured. Right now, um, of course, with COVID going around, I had been a member of the YMCA for 30 years and I decided not to, uh, to go back there until they have a effective vaccine. I think it's, um, a real risk. Um, you know, you're in a confined space, mm-hmm. people are breathing harder. They may not have adequate outside air ventilation. So I decided to, I bought a commercial spinning bike, uh, which I had been doing at the Y for cardiovascular training. Mm-hmm. And, I lifted heavy weights when I was younger. I don't do that anymore. It's, uh, there's no reason for it. You're subjecting yourself to injury. Mm-hmm. So I've got some dumbbells. I've got some resistance bands. Um, along with my um, commercial spinning bike, I put up a chin-up bar. I do push-ups. Uh, you know, it's in my blood, Geraldo. I, I, I'm not going to give up training. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, what do you think about the virtual training that we have these days with the apps, with the most popular apps coming on? What do you, what's your thought on that? I mean, I've never used one. Uh, I've always had the, I guess, I'm sure they have some utility, but for me, I've got the inherent drive uh, within me. Uh, like I said, I have this gym at home, and a lot of people will buy the equipment. They'll hang their, their, their jacket on it. Mm-hmm. But to me... Uh, it's been a lifestyle, a habit, then a lifestyle. And to tell you the truth, I don't feel, um, not normal, but it's just part of my lifestyle. Uh, I don't need an app. I don't need somebody uh, like on a Peloton bike screaming at me, go, 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 go. I just have the, <laughs> I just have the in- inherent drive to do it. I just love it. I think it's good for you. It's good n- not only physically, but psychologically. Uh, it's a mental wash. Mm. You mentioned the COVID, and obviously um, it is something that has been all over the news this year because you're sort of in the medical field. I mean, you've sure. worked enough. What, what are your thoughts about finding the cure? Do you think we'll ever find the cure? Will it be something that will just slowly fade away? What, what are your thoughts on that? It's hard to say. What I, what I really think is they're going to initially have a vaccine, but from what I'm seeing from the literature – 
the, the, the virus has a tendency to mutate. Mm -hmm. So they, they may have to develop more than one vaccine and maybe get several booster shots. And they may be telling you on the news, oh, this is going to happen right away. It's not going to, in my opinion. I think it's going to be at least a year, unfortunately, before we see a semblance of uh, pre-COVID, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's a terrible situation. People are dying. Uh, people are can't see their loved ones in the hospital. And right. unfortunately, we have to deal with it. You know, just something, that's my opinion. I think I, mean, I might be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Right. But um, I just think that uh, one thing for sure, I've noticed that uh, in the literature, people that are obese or have uh, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, they're more susceptible to um, bad outcomes, meaning mm -hmm. they're on a respirator um, and they may not make it. And yeah. a lot of people, which I, I just don't understand, Araldo, they think it's fake. It's not fake. It's real. And you better be careful. Yeah. We, we all have a bucket list. I've had mine for a while. I don't know if you have a bucket list, Tony. But if you were to go through your list and check off everything you've checked off, is there anything left that you thought you might have accomplished or didn't have an opportunity to accomplish? Um, can you share that with us? Yeah, there's not too much I haven't accomplished, but... Uh, my father, when he was alive, was a private pilot. He had uh, ratings except uh, jet engine rating. Um, mm -hmm. I think it would be really interesting, and I know this would be probably impossible, um, but it would be something on the bucket list, is to ride the back seat in a Blue Angel um, wow. <laughs> jet yeah. or you know a Thunderbird. I mean, that would be a really neat experience. I'd probably maybe get sick, but I've seen YouTube videos <laughs> on it, and I've seen at air shows here celebrities quote celebrities or news anchors have the opportunity to do that i loved flying with my dad mm -hmm. and i think that would be really really neat to have that experience so i can assume you never jumped out of a plane then did you right <laughs> no in fact that's a funny story because when i was in madison uh, i have two older brothers we're a year apart and we're both we're all at madison excuse me all three of us are in madison and they said hey tony we're going to go up to Oshkosh, which is a central Wisconsin mm -hmm. town, and we're going to go uh, skydiving. I said, be my guest. I'm not jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have fun, but one of my brothers said, you're on a static line, and you go backwards, and you fall out of a plane. He said, in terms of, uh, it's like a head rush. You're, you black out for about five seconds because it's just so much sensory overload. You know, that, that is funny because I've always said it. It's been a couple of years now since I've said, listen, I want to jump up from an airplane. I don't know why I want to jump from an airplane. <laughs> my, nie my niece did it. Um, so, and I've been saying it. And, and, I, and you know what also drove me to it was the, our, the former president, you know, uh, George Bush Sr. Uh, oh, yeah. Or, That's or, right. And right, or, right. So he, he, he jumped out of an airplane and he was believed near you know, over 80 or something, 80 years old when he I did it. I think he was, yeah, close, 85. And 85 I, I, or something? He didn't so, do it alone. He had no, a tan true, yes. tandem jump. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, if, I, you know, if I did it, it'd probably be a tandem jump. I'd be worried that the parachute didn't, wouldn't open up. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the one thing that's holding me back, right? The parachute <laughs> not open Because <laughs> I believe you. worry. Right? That's a good worry to have. Um, where do you see yourself five years from now, Tony? 
I see myself totally retired, uh, focusing on uh, being, spending more time with my family, if this is possible, gearing up my training, doing something different that I've never done with my training. You know, I'm 62 years old and um, the way that I've exercised and taken care of myself, it may not extend your lifespan, but I think it's going to definitely improve the quality of your life, especially as you get older. Very well said. For our listeners, um, you have some social media handles you'd like to share with us? Sure. I'm on Twitter. My handle there is at F-I-T-M-S-L-A-X. So it's F-I-T-M-S-L-A-X. And I just started on Instagram maybe six months ago. And Mm -hmm. my handle there is in lowercase letters, and it's Tony mm-hmm. dot M A N C I Tony dot M A N C I. So for your listenership, if you're interested, fine. I'd like the followers. I think you'd learn a lot, uh, especially on Twitter. I tweet about you know, exercise related material and also mm-hmm. um, cardiac uh, related material. I'm, I'm connected up with obviously you and preeminent cardiologists and we have a lot to talk about and I, I learn a lot and, It's a platform for me to extend my information as well. Excellent. Tony, thank you so much for being on the show. It was an honor to have you. I encourage all my listeners to go visit your social media sites and reach out to Tony. He is an amazing person with an amazing background and uh, a good-hearted individual. That's how I'd like to put it. So, Tony, thank you again for being on the show and, and all the best to you. Thank you very much, uh, Geraldo. I I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. All right. Thank you. Well, that is it for this episode of A Fit Life. I want to thank Mr. Tony Mancy for a great conversation. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, please subscribe and rate this show on iTunes. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Any comments or questions you'd like to submit, you can do so at Geraldo Meglara on Instagram and Twitter. In closing, if you are interested in advertising on this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. For A Fit Life, I'm Geraldo Meglara here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.